It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. And here we go. Well, that was a fun win on a Tuesday night, wasn't it? Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to today's show. On today's show, going to recap a thrilling walk-off extra inning win for the Reds, just their third walk-off this year. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the man who engineered that walk-off, Yasiel Puig. But before we get into that, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Hit us up on Twitter, at Lockdown Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And make sure to give us a call on the Lockdown Reds line. Let out questions, thoughts, concerns, whatever you got about the our wonderful red legs 513-549-0159 and also answer the question of the week for me because I want to hear from you want to hear some more thoughts on this how relevant is it for you as a Reds fan to see a Reds player in the all-star game is it that big of a deal anymore want to know Let's talk about Tuesday night, though, because that was an awesome game. A game in which Tanner Rourke wasn't his sharpest, gave up three home runs, including one to Yelich and one to Eric Thames, two guys who just love to hit the ball against the Reds. And it, it was funny because I was looking at some notes on the game. This is still, this is the first time that Rourke hasn't lost at Great American Ballpark in his last five starts. Uh, He had lost four in a row. The last time that he had got, he has a win at Great American Ballpark this season was back on May 4th against the Giants. And uh, the rest of them have been losses since then. So it was nice for him to get a no decision in that. And, Eugenio Suarez, as as far as we're looking at individual performers real quick, continued his hot streak. He hit a 2-0 pitch from Chase Anderson over the left center field wall for his third straight home run in three at-bats. He hit two, yes, or two on Monday, and then on Tuesday in his first at-bat hit a home run as well. He is heating up quite a bit. Yeah, he got the home run party started during the game. Of course, the Brewers then hit three of their own. And then Yasiel Puig hit a line drive over the right field wall in the seventh inning that put the Reds within a run because up to that point it was 4-2 to for a bit. And then with Nick Senzel on first base in the bottom of the eighth inning, Joey Votto delivered a heck of an at-bat. And a lot of credit goes to Nick Senzel on this. He had some great base running and actually provided ample means of distraction for the relief pitcher 
Matt Albers for Milwaukee. He kept trying to throw over to first base, and I think that really set up Joey Votto with a nice at bat because Albers grooved a pitch down the middle, and Joey Votto took it down the right field line for a double in which Nixon was able to score easily from first. It was absolutely beautiful. The kind of at bat that we were used to seeing from Joey Votto, that was the first time that I've been super excited to say, you know, Joseph Daniel Votto doing work because that was the kind of clutch situation that a lot of people like to criticize him about saying, oh, well, he just takes walks in those situations and all this other stuff. And in this case, he didn't. And he delivered the game tying run that brought it into extra innings and brought the drama on. Because Yasio Puig was on first base and Jose Iglesias up. Jose Iglesias has enjoyed playing against the Brewers this season, especially here lately. The last couple, last handful of games against the Brewers, he's had a bunch of RBIs. And in this one, it was strange. Just in case you hadn't seen it, he hit a bloop single into right field. And Puig was really on his horse, running from first to third. I mean, it was great base running anyway but then the throw into the infield was not handled well and just kind of rolled into no man's land around the pitcher's mound and for whatever reason the brewers catcher came up to pick it up well when he did that he left home base unattended Puig seeing that without stopping rounded third sprinted home slid head first in scored the game winning run it was absolutely phenomenal. A Yasio Puig night at Great American Ballpark. And he popped up immediately, threw his helmet off, and put his arms in the air as if to say, let's put this game on ice. Yeah, whatever. That sounds good. Something like that. He said something cool, I'm sure, just by the way, throwing his arms in the air. And he got mobbed by his teammates. This team, just love watching this team play. They're really close-knit group of guys. And you can tell that whenever they win like that because they just they're they're so congratulatory of each other. Really fun to watch. Hope they can kind of get something put together here. And I know we keep saying every time the Reds win, it's like, okay, well, this is the start of something big. I'm not gonna go that far to say that. It's just a nice win, a great walk-off against a team that the Reds have just had a lot of trouble with this season. Going now, this is their fourth win against them. They're four and seven on the year against the Brewers as they keep just losing close games. It was good to take a close game and get that win, especially in extra innings being their third walk-off of the season. Just a phenomenal night at the ballpark for the Reds. Going to take a quick break. We'll come right back here on the Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast here on a Wednesday. Thanks so much for doing that. I appreciate all of my listeners. I do want to take a quick moment to apologize for the technical or more or less a brain fart that I had. I recorded Tuesday's podcast Monday night and I went to set to post it and I accidentally set it to post on Wednesday morning. And it wasn't until someone hit me up on Twitter around lunchtime that there was no episode up. And I went and I checked. I saw the problem. So I got it fixed back then. If you guys hadn't seen that in your download queue, that's on me. That's my bad. Uh, Definitely going to make sure to triple check everything that I do whenever I post things. It was just silly on my part. So sorry about that if it messed anybody up, but I do appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the show. As always, it's it's fun to talk Reds, and 
have an audience to do it with. I appreciate you listening. And one of the things that everyone was coming up with after the game, there was a lot of Yasiel Puig love. And I'm with you. I love watching him play. I love the fact that he's a red. In fact, there was a lot of talk from, like, even Tom Brenneman had mentioned, he's like, you know, I don't know what Puig did with the Dodgers that made guys in L.A. just dislike him so much. But ever since he's been on the Reds, and sure, you know, the numbers aren't there, but ever since he's been on the Reds, he's been a huge part of the team, and he's given every ounce of himself to each game that he's been in. Like, and and I, and I understand where he's coming from because if you watch Puig play, you look at the average and you're like, well, you know, he's not hitting 300. He's out there, and and I don't think there's a lot of people that interpret some of his the way that he will catch a lazy pop fly to right field as maybe he himself is being lazy. I think that's just Puig being Puig. He loves to play the game and have fun. And, you know, licking the bat, licking his arms, all that good stuff. That's just his way of having fun with the game. And baseball is a fun game. I'm not looking for a guy to be out there all, you know, you know, got their collar done up, got the tie on, all that stuff. They're wearing a baseball uniform, and they're just out there playing a kid's game, and they happen to be getting paid millions of dollars to do it. And he is fun to watch. And there's a lot of people that immediately went to, man, the Reds got to keep him, man. They really got to see if they can sign him and, and and hold on to him. And you know what? I would love that. I would love if Yasio Puig was a red for the next two to three or four years, something like that. Maybe not four years, maybe two to three years. But I just think that he himself is going to want to test free agency. And I get it. He's He's... Just I mentioned, he's given everything he's got out on the field for the Reds. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that he is going to give some kind of discount to stay in Cincinnati. This is his first shot to be a free agent. Now, maybe over the coming months, he looks at things and, I don't know, maybe his agent kind of gauges the rest of the teams in baseball and says, hey, you probably want to stay in Cincinnati. They love you. You seem to love it there. See if you can get a deal done. Something like that. I don't know. That's just all hypothetical. There's nothing behind that. Just a thought. But I really think that his initial position right now is to go to free agency. And because of that, the Reds need to be open to not only signing him to an extension, but also if someone comes calling for him now that he's starting to get hot, now that he's starting to add value to his name, if someone comes calling for him in a trade, they can't just shut it down immediately. If it's something that's going to bring back value or open up a stop, maybe they can do another deal where, say, they trade out his expiring contract and they bring in a controllable right fielder or left fielder, what have you, and maybe they move Winker over to right field. I don't know. All kind of possibilities there. Something for a later podcast. But they need to be open to it. They need to have all options on the table. This is kind of the same scenario that we looked at a few, you know, last year with Scooter Jeanette, the fact that he was doing amazingly and everyone's like, they got to extend them for a long period of time. And there's still folks that are saying that today. I, I think the Reds did good by not extending Scooter Jeanette last season, obviously the injury, but that's not even what I'm talking about here. I, I think that they did well to not hamstring 
resources into a guy that we're still waiting for the other shoe to fall. And when it comes to Puig and his one-year deal, I think to to keep him around, it's going to cost some money. And, and my philosophy with baseball finances is that it's all relative. These guys make way more money than we'll ever see. So to, for me to judge how much a year he should get. But more than that, he may be the kind of guy that hits free agency and wants like a five- or six-year deal. And that I don't want. I don't want the Reds signing him to a deal where half of it he's good and half of it you're not so sure about. So I think a two- to three-year deal is right where I would hope the Reds would sign him. But at this point, I'd put the odds at 50-50, maybe 40-60 against. Just not the kind of thing that I expect to happen. Now, that being said, that kind of segues into this next little thought that I had. It was talking about this trade deadline and whether the Reds are buyers or sellers. What did they do this offseason? Were we talking about the possibility of the Reds getting Tanner Rourke or Alex Wood or Yasiel Puig, those guys? Something that Mo Egger brought up on his show today and that when it comes to the trade deadline, expect the unexpected. The Reds are very good at keeping everything under wraps. There's not a whole lot of leaks coming out of the front office. There's not a lot of people talking to the media and leaking information and all this different stuff. They're holding it until the news story is actually finalized. Heck, if you, if you read the piece in The Athletic that C. Trent Rosecrans had about the oral history of how the Reds acquired Luis Castillo, that deal took months in the works. They initially started talking at the winter meetings and then they didn't get the deal done for another two months. So while we are speculating what the Reds could do, I don't think whenever the, whenever it happens, it's going to make sense, but at the same time, it won't have been expected. It's going to be like a really great twist. Think of your favorite movie maker, like I think of Christopher Nolan. And the first time that you see a Christopher Nolan movie, most of the time, 99% of the time, you're not going to expect that twist at the end. Now, the whole bit in Interstellar where it's like, oh, he went back through a black hole. Whatever, we, we won't get into all that. This is a baseball podcast. But you get my drift. The Reds front office is really good at the late twist, you know. That sort of thing. So I, I think whenever it happens, whenever it comes down the pipe, it's not going to be a guy we're looking at. Like I know a lot of people keep talking about Clint Frazier, and that's a name that's been bandied about amongst Reds country, but I definitely, uh, okay, definitely is a, a strong word there. But I don't really see that being what goes down. I think the Reds are going to pull something out of the hat kind of like they did this off season, and, and really, if you think about it, and I'm kind of getting off the rails here, but I just I keep having thoughts about this. And When you think about the Reds' front office, everyone was super critical of Walt Jockey and, and the way that they handled things. They held on to guys too long. They had bad contracts, all of this and the other. You know, the, the, the trades, we can go down the trades of our favorite players from the 2010-2012 teams and what the Reds ended up getting for them and how depressing that is. 
Dick Williams took over the baseball operations very shortly before acquiring Luis Castillo. That was essentially his welcome to the Reds front office deal in getting Luis Castillo. Ever since then, I can't point to a deal that I've been like, boy, that was a that was a raw deal for the Reds. They they really did terrible on that deal. Now you might be able to say this or that, but I, I, I don't see a detrimental deal. Like I don't I don't see a Jay Bruce deal. I don't see an Aroldis Chapman deal. I think they've made smart decisions and they will continue to make smart decisions. And you know what? If I'm wrong, hit me up. Locked on Reds line five one three five four nine zero one five nine. I want to hear from you. If if I'm wrong, hey, let me know. But I, I really feel like August 1st comes around. We're going to look at the moves that they made. We're going to be able to explain why it's not going to be something that just leaves us befuddled like the Mets or the Marlins or something like that. I think this front office has a clear direction and they're going to continue to follow it. And they're going to set the Reds up for a lot of success next year, which is really the main goal of this year. As much as we'd love to say that they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to make that second wild card run or whatever, they cannot make any sort of moves to try and make that happen that will compromise next year and the year following and stuff like that. Because the window is opening. They don't need to try and bust it wide open right now. Next year's the year they got to do that. Anyway, I. That was a crazy off-the-rails rant. i got to wrap this up here. I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much for downloading to today's podcast. Tomorrow, so here's the deal. Tomorrow's July 4th. Happy Independence Day, all. And actually, uh, while I'm thinking about it, happy belated birthday to the mayor, Sean Casey. Red's got a win on his birthday. Just like I said, that was the best way to say a happy birthday to Sean Casey. And they did that. But um, tomorrow is July 4th, Independence Day, so we are going to have a special long episode. I am going to talk with the play-by-play guy for the Dayton Dragons, Tom Nichols, will join me on the podcast, so it'll be an extra long podcast because there will not be a podcast for Friday, so Phone It In Friday is going to be Phone It In for the 4th. Maybe we'll call it that, I don't know, still playing with that. But definitely make sure to tune in tomorrow, or download tomorrow. There's no tuning, there's downloading. That's what you do. Because Tom Nichols from the Dayton Dragons will be on the podcast with me. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to today's show. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and the Himalaya Podcasting app. Hit us up on Twitter at Lockdown Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. Also, hit us up on the Locked On Reds line, 513-549-0159. And I almost forgot, go to LockedOnReds.com. We've got even more content over there. Dave Pemberton with his article about the Reds creating a winning culture. And also Mike Martis with his debut on the website, a article looking at how he would improve Major League Baseball if he were made commissioner. And I'm going to have him on next week. We're going to have a little bit of an all-star break podcast where I interview him as if he's going to be the next commissioner. So check that out next week. But anyway, that's it for the Lockdown Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.